This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This episode is brought to you by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Learn more at Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome Rui De Silva to the podcast today. Rui is a producer, creative practitioner and youth worker focusing on the social mobility of young working class people. He's also the founder of Afro Eats, a magazine that celebrates Afro-Caribbean home cooks in London and now the author of the new book, A Quick Ting on Planting, which we're going to hear all about today. Welcome to the podcast, Rui. Thank you. It's so lovely to see you. Um, so today we're chatting about 10 things you need to know about planting. You're very, very specialist subject. I've, I've read the book and it's great. Um, so let's kick off with the why. Your books are love letters to planting, weaving in history, politics, science, geography, recipes, and lots of personal stories. What was it like pulling all of that together? Where did the idea come from? Oh my days. Okay, cool. So <laughs> the first... I never actually thought of writing a book about plantain before. It's not something that I had in my wish list or anything. Magdalene, the editor of the whole series, she knows that I like plantain a lot. It's like one of the few things about me that is not reserved. If you know me, you know that I like plantain. <laughs> so she messaged me one time and said, you want to write a book about it? And I thought she was joking <laughs> until I realised she wasn't. And I started thinking about it and I was kind of stumbled at first. I didn't think, I didn't know where to go with it. And I think that's part of the reason why I even wrote the book is like a lot of black British cultural items, we don't think about the things that are in our house in that, those ways, yeah. in academic ways or just things that should be explored culturally. So I think 
that's the first starting point. Like, okay, this actually should be talked about in particular ways. And I'll take everything and see what I can make out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. And how did you how did you approach it? Because there's a lot of research in there. I mean, <laughs> the scientific um, sort of, you know, the um, sort of biological scientific yeah. chapter blew my mind in yeah, particular. Yeah, yeah. How did you sort of approach that? Yeah, it blew my mind as well. Um, <laughs> a lot of Google, a lot of Google pages. But I think um, what was interesting is that there's already quite a lot of research out there. Okay. Just that stuff that we don't link particularly with the culture of it. So yeah. the science of Blantain is mostly written about and archived by botanists and people who study it from like a biological yeah. level, not from a food level. Yeah. Um, but I just like took that and linked it in with the food level. So there was a communication between myself and a few people that studied it where they, they were telling me things that I didn't know. But I was also telling them, oh, no, but we eat this as like a big thing in our culture. And then like, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like a, a mixing of two worlds. That's nice. But, yeah. So you were like sharing your knowledge and swapping. Exactly. Swapping, yeah, facts, yeah, yeah, swapping yeah. planting facts. Yeah. Love it. Um, for number two, you wanted to talk about how important food is to a community's identity. And you just touched on that. Tell, tell us about that. Yes, I think, especially for, I speak for, especially for black people first. Yeah. Because that's the community I come from. Um, living in, in England, England and London in particular, it's very, it's always like, communicate to you that your culture is important um, as a matter of survival so yeah. like when you first go to primary school I went to a very bright primary school and mum was always telling me you know you gotta be proud of yourself and so on and so forth and you don't really realise the importance of that when you're younger you're just like I'm just living like whatever but then the older you get the more you realise how much vitality of life is attached to the culture you have yeah. and for every community um, and I think food is one of the easiest ways to engage with that so there's music which is easy as well but I think food is much more personal experience when you eat food from your culture there's a, a process of experience your culture you don't think about it's just you're just eating your culture it's easy you don't think about how i do it or why i do it. you just eat and you love it and it's such a it's already already done for you as soon as you cook from something from your grandma's recipe or something from your culture it's just you don't have to have any process about it yeah. that is the cultural process of exploring your own identity yeah i think food is really accessible and i think it's a shame that in the city we come from, there's it's harder and harder to experience that outside of your house. Yeah. So in your home it's fine. But when you go outside and there's no African restaurants that are well established that you can experience your food with your friends or just in in a public space, it gets really hard to exist in that space without feeling like you're missing some part of yourself if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um tell us a bit about your your personal heritage, because your family came to the UK from Sao Tome, which is mm -hmm. cent Central African island. Yeah. Portuguese is a national language there. So, you, but you were actually born in Portugal. Is yeah, that yeah. Right? I was born. So, my mum and my dad are from Santo Tome, the yeah. island, and most of like their family are from there as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a Portuguese colony, and I think, like the story goes, life was hard, so they moved elsewhere, and yeah. Portugal was one one of the destinations because of the easy language um, uh, translation. And I think it was. Portugal is a hard place to live if from that community. And mm. I think a lot of people actually moved from Portugal back to England. Oh no, sorry, to England, sorry. Um, so I didn't actually experience a lot in Portugal. I was born there, but I only stayed there for three years. Okay. But a lot of the Portuguese culture that um, was taken from Santo Mé was take, taken to Portugal and then taken from Portugal to England. So I got like a, a freeway experience of yeah. Santo Mé, like through England, through Portugal. And yeah. Do you think your know. your perception of 
food. I mean, you're you're kind of. I know you said you weren't in Port- Portugal for very long, but obviously it's Portuguese influence. Yeah. Do you feel that kind of influence coming from those different countries? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can only. My experience of even African food is through Portugal anyway. Okay. Because um, I haven't been to Africa yet. Still, um, but everything I experience is through um, how culture is preserved in Portugal, and there's a lot of Portuguese African dishes, so lusophone, that differ from Anglophone dishes, so like Nigeria, Ghana. They have a way of cooking that is all West African, but it's slightly different right. from the Portuguese colonies. So there's Santome, Cape Verde, there's uh, Mozambique, there's Angola, and we share like a kinship that's very different from Nigeria, Ghana. And all the other West African countries, so there's a there's a slight like difference that is attached to the Portuguese kind of culture okay. that is quite important for me. It kind of defines a lot of my food, actually. Is there yeah. like a would you be able to pinpoint anywhere in the UK or London that's doing that's that kind that. of Portuguese? Um, I'd say it's still in development. Yeah, that's like in the public spaces, it's still it's like still, hard to find. Yeah, it's a home thing. We're still like getting ahead of even Nigerian, which is. Nigeria, out in Africa, I mean, in Britain, African diasporas, Nigeria probably lead the most. And we're still like, yeah, still developing that kind of space for Nigerian food. Yeah, absolutely. So other cultures, it's still a long way to go. But yeah. I say like, sorry, I say Stratford is a place where you find a lot of Afro-Portuguese people. Cool. And you can probably see a few places there, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um Let's talk about pronunciation. Okay, <laughs> One of on. my favorite things. There's a whole chapter in the book yeah. about how do we say, is it plantain or plantain? Can we say both? And you actually, <laughs> I think you even did a, a survey on this, didn't you? I with did, quite yeah, a few yeah, people yeah, to yeah. find out. Tell us the story of plantain versus plantain. Um, it's a crazy story. So I think it comes mainly from Caribbean and African cultures, I mean, communities that we actually share as very similar food cultures because trace back our origins with kind of the same communities but in England we have very different experiences of the similar foods and plantain is one of them so like Caribbeans to them it's plantain that just makes sense and Africans plantain and I think it uh, it reflects on a wider like difference between a Caribbean and African diasporas that exists we are very different mm. um, and like if you could go, go back to the early like 70s or even even now, actually, there's African parents who have a very like stereotypical idea of what Caribbean people are like, and vice versa. <laughs> I think that that kind of pinpoints um, that differences. But what I like about the plantain and plantain culture is that we argue, we all love the fruit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's a it's a jovial argument. So yeah. it's cool. It's, but yeah, that's where it originates from. I think. Yeah. So you're argue, you're arguing, but you're still at the end of it. You're still sitting down and eating it. Eat, and going, this exactly. Is the best yeah, thing yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, and for number five, you want to talk a little bit about vegan food and where plantain fits into that? Because yeah. I think in the book you talked about how it it got kind of co-opted by a vegan brand, didn't it? That you yeah, yeah, oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to name names or anything. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. I won't say anything. Um, so yeah, I think it, it speaks to general, if you think of the term food gentrification, yeah, it's kind of that same um, story. But at this particular moment, there was a brand that um, had these plantain chips that were branded as vegan. I think they won an award for it. Okay. Um, it was like vegan plantain chips. And for a lot of people who already eat plantain chips, so African communities like, what? Why are you calling it vegan? It's plantain chips. Of course it's vegan. You don't have to like rebrand this. It yeah. already exists. And I think it, it's like, it speaks to a process of erasure of culture in certain spaces. So mm. 
especially in gourmet food, there's a lot of foods that probably come from prior communities but get rebranded as new. And it, it, it takes away the connection from that food to those communities, which are, which as I said before, it's an important link. Yeah. For, especially if you're in the diaspora community and you're away from your homeland, essentially, that link is crucial. Sometimes like survival, some people um, make money and make a, you know, they're chefs or they, they explore careers off of who they eat. And it's important that link is there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why when that happened, there was a lot of public outrage. There was a lot of outrage about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good reason. And um, and that's a little bit about, you, you wanted to talk about um, cheap food and, and cheap labor. Mm. You know, is it cheap food bad or is it cheap labor the problem? And then the book, you talk about plantain inflation and how like you used to think about a pound is, a pound equals three plantain, <laughs> yeah. four plantain, yeah. rather than it's a pound, you know, I can get this. And, yeah. and But recently that's, Jeez, you know, yeah. not there anymore because obviously of various reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think if you speak to anyone that eats plantain in, in London, that was like a, that was, that's when you know, okay, rah, we're going into a bad period now. Like things are going bad now. Like the cost of living is rising, whatever. Cost of housing, whatever. But plantains cost more than one pound. That's a serious issue. Um, I think even there was one time, uh, I forgot his name now, but someone on Twitter, um, I forgot what politician it was, but she said, one of your manifesto points needs to be addressing the prices of plantain because it's a serious issue. Um, but yeah, I think, again, I'm not starting to break a record, but... It speaks to how important these foods actually are to our communities, yeah. and I think when it when the price of plantain rise, rose, so there was loads of speculation of what it could be. Um, people made theories, but I think at the heart of it, it was just a serious, genuine curiosity about what's happening, yeah. regardless of what the reason was, because there are loads of reasons. But it just speaks to like the fact that we actually do care about the pricing, and it actually yeah, does yeah, affect yeah. us. It's real, it's not just up in fifty p, and that's it. It's, yeah. It's a big moment, yeah. Because you did go quite far into it with, you know, increased production costs, disease yeah. happening, yeah, you yeah. know, import charges after yeah. Brexit, all of that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there is there is all of that to, to bring to bear. And you also said um, cutting out the middleman. <laughs> what what you would do yeah. if um, you said your, one of your local corner stores stopped supplying during lockdown. Yeah. And you started wondering how to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew yeah, seconds. I think when that happened... Um, a lot of people were worried about how they're going to get their stuff and their toilet paper, so on and so forth. For me, when I saw plantain wasn't in the box, I was like, oh, what happens now? And I think it just made me think, especially when I started researching this book, when you think that the people that we get from are real people, yeah. there's no reason why I can't actually communicate with them directly. Especially when there's like loads of curiosity about the pricing, you can ask those people yourself. We can make those links ourselves in it. It's actually part, I remember speaking to a woman called Dee, Dee Woods. She spoke to me about how in the early 70s, it was their responsibility to get Caribbean food from the Caribbean to England. Okay. Because no one else was going to do it. And I think for me, when I, when I talked to her, it made me think about plantain. Like if no one does it, then what am I going to do? I'm going to suffer now. I have to yeah. do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How far down the line did you get with researching that? I've, 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 I've got a list of people that if it happens, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You didn't think about that though, because obviously... You know, from my point of view, was things like loo roll and God pasta. I can't believe we're all obsessed with about <laughs> yeah, not yeah, being yeah. able to get pasta. You know, it just shows you how like. But um, but yeah, for you, it was it was seeing the plantain disappear yeah. off the the front the yeah. shops. Love it. So if you got your local suppliers, then that you that you go into. I hope, hope so. I think um, there's still like a lot of grey area around mm. how things get grown. Um, mm -hmm. So like 
because obviously I don't have the buying power of a huge, no, big cup production company yeah. to say no, sell only to me or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to at least explore the interest and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the ways we can cook and eat plants. Now there is a there's a whole chapter in the book on different recipes you've sourced recipes from loads of different places what are your favorite ways to cook cook and eat it um i mean i'm quite old school i like i like the natural plain way i can't <laughs> lie so like um if plantain's ripe it's normally fried for me does the job already yeah like anything on top of it you're just you're adding extras but it was already fine in the beginning anyway but um i think as of recent i really like pancake made plantains i, okay. I saw it I think it was from somewhere in the Caribbean. I can't remember what country that saw really does it well. Like imitated that, and I've had it like almost every other morning. So that's that's like a because you can actually have plantain for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, <laughs> depending on how you cook it. Yeah. That's what I think is so amazing. So I've had it for as breakfast pancake. Um, I had it as a there's something called tostones in yeah. South America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had tostones as as like a an adder to whatever that like, stew I'm e eating I'll yeah. have it there and um, I've had like fondant plantains like fondant potatoes but oh, actually wow. plantain oh yeah I think you wrote about that in the book didn't you yeah, someone yeah, you spoke bit. to said why um, if you can do it with a potato fried in butter why can't yeah, you do it with plantain, plantain because yeah, it's going to go yeah. nice and like fondant inside exactly side. yeah and it's sweeter so like I've been doing that and like yeah there's just so much I can I think when you think of plantain as just an, an ingredient, not necessarily a recipe. Yeah. It's like when you think of plantain, some people think of oh, just fried plantain. But if you just think of it as an, a, an ingredient first, there's so many ways to explore it. Tell us about the different stages of it, because obviously yeah. sometimes I go, I live near Stroud Green, so obviously there's okay, quite a lot yeah. down there of yeah, um, yeah. Afro-Caribbean stores. Um, so I'll see like the green plantain, I'll see the middle in, and then I'll yeah. see the like really, really black plantain. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. So are those cooked in different ways at different stages? Yes. So the really green plantain is obviously unripe. And at that level, um, I don't want to get sciencey, but it hasn't, the, it's called ethylene gas, hasn't been released yet. So the starch hasn't converted into sugars. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not sweet. But because it's not sweet, it can be treated like, like a potato. So a lot of people, that's why tostone is, yeah. they're using savory dishes because it's not a sweet dessert. And I think that, as I said, like, you can make so many dishes of it. The green one is more savory dishes. Okay. And as it ripens, you get more to the sweet. And the sugars the, start releasing. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's when you get a lot more sweeter dishes. So dessert-based dishes. Then the black one, a lot of people discard them. But actually, if you open a plantain when it's black, yeah. you'll find that the flesh is absolutely fine. It's just when it's almost all the sugars have converted. I mean, yeah. all the starch have converted to sugars. So that is sweetest. And that's probably best for a lot of people make them... Um, I don't know what to call them in English. Uh, like fried, uh, like puff puff. I don't know if you know what puff puff is. I feel like I should know what a puff puff is. <laughs> it's like a, it's like, Des imagine like yeah, a doughy. Describe it, yeah. Like a, like, dough, like a donut. Like a donut, right? Yeah, but no. But not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's like, the thing we're always doing though, isn't it? Going, it's like so and this, so, but it's not. Actually, it's yeah, 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 exactly. I'm going to go and research puff puffs. Yeah, puff puff is really nice, but you can make like, because it's so sweet, but it's also soft because yeah. there's starch in it. Yeah. You can form it into like more doughy texture. Oh, nice. And fry it that way. Um, you can make desserts with it. It's so many things you can do. With it, yeah. How do you know that your black plantain isn't going to be a bit monkey inside? Then do you just have to trust the um, shopkeeper that he's not selling you? Selling you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose you just wouldn't go back, would you? Like normal. I think. <laughs> so like, 
normally, even if it, even if all of it is black, yeah. it'll still be fine. I think yeah. when it starts, when you start seeing white parts in it, mm. that's when that maybe that a bit few, bit mold of oh, coming inside. It's yeah. gone. It's gone too far. Yeah, down that's that road. too far down that road. But even yeah. then, there's probably it's still good to savor. Like, yeah, it's, it takes a long time for plantain yeah. to be out of use. Um, I was going to say, yeah. I feel like I feel like it would. It would have to be quite a dodge plantain for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's happened along the way. You're like, yeah. I can do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I was actually interviewing someone last week, uh, Luis Gonzalez Castro, and he's Cuban Puerto Rican heritage. Oh, nice. So he was talking about plantain because right, they, okay. they um, make a thing called mariquita, which is yeah. it's green plantain crisp. So yeah, yeah, again, yeah, you know, yeah. the frying thing. He serves it with a little dip of. I think it's garlic and orange juice and um, and olive oil. Right. Um, and he was just saying, oh my God, we love plantain so much. <laughs> um, right. And it's true that it it goes right across. You know, you've, you've mentioned your sort of heritage, but it mm. goes through so many different types of heritage, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so that's something that um, I already knew, but I learned a lot more research in the book. Yeah. Because I think in the black community, we've always seen this plantain as our own yeah. kind of item. But when you explore the use of plantain, even where it's grown, it stretches from South America to Asia. I even saw recipes of plantain in based in India, which is a culture that, for Black communities in Britain, you mm. don't associate with plantain whatsoever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I've never gone to uh, an Indian restaurant and thought, "Let me get plantain." Never thought in my life. But when I researched, it's, it's such a global fruit; it grows everywhere, and a lot of people have their own uses for it. Even like culturally, um, I forgot what it's called. But there's a celebration I read in the book. Um, in India, it's a religious celebration. Mm. Part of that religious celebration, they use plantain as part of the food. Oh, wow. So, like, even culturally, it speaks to much wider to our community. I think that's something that I really enjoyed researching about yeah. plantain. It's a global fruit. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's it's so popular because it grows readily and quickly and is a really good source of you know yeah. vitamins? And I, I mean, I'm guessing it is pretty good for you. Yeah, yes, it's you definitely look pretty like, healthy. <laughs> I'm always careful about calling it a superfood. Oh no, I wouldn't. Case. I wouldn't use that word. That's, <laughs> yeah, 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 we yeah. don't use that word either. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but I mean, in a sense, it, yeah, it's nutritious like crazy. I think um, that's a big part of it. But also, films, especially Latin American and Black communities, African Caribbean communities, during certain periods of time, mm. um, when food resources, let me not sugarcoat. During slavery and indentured slave, indentured servant, servitude, sorry, um, slave quarters were were fed using the cheapest kind of fruits are about, mm. and plantain one plantain of them. Was, yeah. So if you like, I remember re- researching a book. I read a few, a few like um, diaries of slaves and diaries of slave owners. Yeah, and they would describe um, slave quarters. They would describe the boats and describe the wood and the lights, and they would say that's part of the food was plantain. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so like it's it's also like attached to certain cultures not by force but like it's a part like of the everything yeah it's yeah. part of that whole yeah, story exactly. yeah. so. um finally <laughs> the future of planting <laughs> and, and for you as well what, what's has this kick-started like because uh, i know you um as i said in the the beginning you've you've um you founded afro eats magazine oh, yeah. um writing this book as it as it sparked something in doing further food writing and i think so maybe yeah i think and for me food is a daughter like loads of other conversations um and i think upon writing this book and upon seeing how many people engage with it it was clear to me that like this isn't like a this isn't just me that loves plantain so many people that love plantain i think if we continue opening doors for conversations around the food we eat 
you know, planting, but also widening that. Mm. I think it will just create more space for us to um, not just preserve culture, but explore it, celebrate it, and so on and so forth, and like find some sort of um, vitality in that. I think yeah. it's really important. So for me, in the future, is just to create more space for people to celebrate it, to explore it, to talk about it, to enjoy it, and just keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up that. Well, I've, I've got, I've got a copy of the book, but um, there's so many recipes in there as well there are, yeah, for people yeah, to try yeah. all sorts of different things yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. So that's got, that's got to be a good one. Oh well, thank you so much for coming to chat to us, Rui. And um, if people want to find your book, it's called A Quick Thing on Planting, and it's a, it's a, it's one in a series of books mm. uh, by Jarakanda Press. Tell it, tell us about the series. Yeah, so I think this is another thing spearheaded by Max Madeline. Yeah. So Equipping On explores different things on Black British culture, yeah. but in a in a way that the author gets to narrate it, and it's actually from the culture, and it like champions people voicing things about our culture in our own ways. Yeah. So there's Equipping On Grime, Equipting On Afrobeats, which is just released by Christ Christopher. There's Equipting On um, Afro Hair. Yeah. There's Equipting On Fear. It's gonna be that one. Quitting on uh, earrings, bamboo earrings, and quitting on Black British business, and quitting on the Black British power movement. Wow. So they're like topics that ha- people probably know about, but yeah. haven't been championed yeah. by ourselves. And it, um, it allows first time authors also to explore it. So Absolutely. it's a really sick series, man. And really yeah. go into something in depth. Yeah. Like exactly. one particular thing. Exactly. Yeah. Have so the space you, to write yeah, about it. Interest about one particular thing. Yeah. Pick up any of them. They're all like, I've read uh, three out of the seven, I said. Yeah. But they're all amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. brilliant. And and those are all Jarakanda books. And yes. I actually went online today and it's, they're, they're really readily available online so people yeah, can go and find pre-order, them. Pre-order, buy yeah. all of that. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Oh, thanks again for coming to chat to us today. That's all right, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.